It's 1927, and 22-year-old Ernest comes to a crossroad, staying in a secure job with the Royal Bank, or devoting his life to a higher calling. Plus, marriage was on the horizon after years of courting his sweetheart. But troubled times weren't far off either. The experience that I went through before I came to the decision to leave the bank and go to the Salvation Army Training College it was a highly emotional four days following one of our big Congress meetings when I felt so convinced that my life was not with the bank, but it was with the Lord's work of the Salvation Army. The verse of a song which the soloist sang that night had moved me so deeply, you know, and brought me to think about it. It was almost as though an audible voice said to me, the chorus of the song said, Follow thou me, he calls again. And then it finished up with, like the fisherman at Galilee who answered the call of Jesus. It's something extremely hard to explain, but it's something that changed the whole course of my life. It was the right thing to do. Were you married? What age were you married? At 23. Her maiden name was Gladys Van. Her parents were Salvation Army people, and uh, she was a very enthusiastic Salvationist. She was a better student than I was. When we went to the training college the same year, she went through the, the Bible exam without any trouble. I, I failed, because I was more interested in music than reading the Bible. I had to learn how to do it. <laughs> we were appointed to Grand Prairie, Alberta first married appointment. And things were booming there in those days. The homesteaders were coming in, the train was packed with them, you know, the day coach, as well as the sleepers. And uh, we had to change cars at McLennan. And we went into the day coach, and I'm telling you, the fumes could knock you down. All these guys wore big, heavy socks, and the shoes were off. But they were coming in in droves, you know, to pick up their 160 acres, you know, for 10 bucks. And things were good for us. And then, <laughs> three months after we were appointed, there was a breakdown in Edmonton in the Salvation Army. And so they pulled us out of Grand Prairie and sent us to Edmonton. Well, now we're caught up in the first, the first part of the Great Depression. Once I built a tower to the sun, brick mortar and lime once i built a tower now it's done brother can you spare a dime because we had such a short stay at grand prairie the army sent us back a couple of years later but everything was different uh, people were poor people coming in from england you know to pick up a, a homestead and no equipment you know they didn't realize they had to dig big trees out of the ground, and it was altogether different. From then on, we had to battle with the Depression because it affected us, in, uh, especially in our collection. We, we relied a lot on the public to keep us going, tried to do some good works to justify our, uh, the help we got. We spent 12 years on the prairies, Alberta and finally in Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan was so badly hit by it. Our last appointment was Estaman, where they'd had 10 years of drought. They grew nothing. I was told by an authority that practically every farmer 
was on welfare. They were driving great big expensive cars and they had lovely homes, but they had no money. They had nothing to sell. Well, we lived through it and uh, I often said that we didn't miss a meal, but it was tough going. They only paid us enough to get by. Our salary, our allowance wasn't very big, but we had got only about a third of what we were entitled to. We were one or we were two of many who were in the same boat, you know. I remember the Anglican minister, an unmarried man, and he was getting hardly anything from his church, you know, just living hand to mouth. Then we had the grasshopper infestation. In addition to the drought, nothing grew. We were in a dust bowl. Nothing to have a great big dust storm blow up from North Dakota. It's um, amazing that so much did survive, really. Toward the end of our stay there, one day some black clouds suddenly appeared, and before we knew it, there was a downpour of rain that had a foot of water on the main street. We were downtown at the time. The reason was every drain was plugged with dirt. There's nowhere for it to go. The uh, Pentecostal minister had a canoe, and he got it out and paddled it down the main street. Everybody was happy. The kids were swimming in their ordinary clothes, you know, just dive into this foot of water, and, and that's when it broke. And that's about the time they moved us. And uh, we were hardly out of the place before they, they announced that they discovered oil just about 10 miles east of where we lived. We heard that grasshoppers, chocolate-coated grasshoppers, were a delicacy in New York. And we could have made a million dollars with all the grasshoppers that we killed. Ernest's life was not going to involve the export of chocolate-covered grasshoppers, but to helping the needy and devoting his life to his wife Gladys as she loses her eyesight to blindness. That story next week on The Life and Times of Ernest Fitch.